The following audio is from Christian Heritage Church. More information about Christian Heritage Church is available at chctoday.com. Acts chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, the word says these words. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, what sound? The sound of the fire of the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Holy Spirit sweeping through that upper room, filling the 120 with flaming tongues as a fire. When that sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Now look at verse 11. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. I want you to hear verse 11 one more time. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. Someone said, what's the purpose of the coming of the Holy Spirit? It's right there. It's on the screen in front of you so that you and I can declare the wonderful works of God. It's not about having a Holy Ghost moment. It's not having a Holy Ghost breakdown. It's about declaring the wonderful works of God. Can I tell you anything less than that is just shenanery. Anything less than that is settling for something other than what God intended. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, His purpose, His intent is to declare through us the wonderful works of God. What did Jesus say in Acts 1 verse 8? I think he said it this way, After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall be what? Witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The key there is you shall be witnesses. Witnesses to what? The wonderful works of God. What does a witness do? He declares all that God has done. He declares how mighty God is. He declares the grace, the mercy, the love of a heavenly Father. A witness bears witness to the truth of the faithfulness, the power, the wonder, the dynamic, the might, the glory of the God of all gods. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, folks. To allow us to be witnesses. You see, when God does something in you, And that's what the Holy Spirit is about in his baptism. It's about doing something in us. But when God does something in us, he desires to do something through us. That's not in your notes, but you need to write it down because that's where we stumble as Pentecostals. We're all about the experience and we stop right there. Can I tell you, if what you receive from the Holy Spirit doesn't fire you up, doesn't empower you, doesn't make you a witness, doesn't make you declare the wonderful works of God, doesn't make you get out into the streets and the byways and the hedges and begin to tell somebody, let me tell you about the God I serve, who is great and mighty and marvelous, who forgives all, who cleanses all sin, who delivers and sets free, who takes the alcoholic and makes him a deacon, who takes the drug addict and turns his life around, who takes the prostitute and gives her a new day and a new hope who takes that religious person stuck in the religiosity, stuck in their church pew, stuck in their form and ritual and blows them up and makes them a witness of the living God. If that's not what happened to you, you need to go down again. Come back one more time because the Holy Ghost is all about making you a witness, all about enabling you to declare the wonderful works 
of God. Remember the 120? Eleven of those guys turned their back on Jesus. Eleven of those guys abandoned all hope. Eleven of those guys didn't even believe that he had risen from the dead. When they were told by Mary Magdalene, when they were told by the two on the road to Emmaus, they didn't believe them. And they finally, when Jesus appeared to them, began to understand this thing is real, this thing is true, this thing is powerful. And so when he said, you need to wait here in Jerusalem, wait for the promise of the Father, they had absolutely no idea what that meant. They didn't know what that experience would look like or feel like. There was no scriptural basis or experiential knowledge to tie it to. All they had was his command to wait. So they waited, and they waited for 10 days during that time, praying and fasting. But the key is, they were all in one accord. They were all on the same page. They all determined to follow and pursue the master's plan. And when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them, they began to declare the wonderful works of God. May I tell you, the baptism of the Holy Spirit really isn't about tongues, it's about declaration. And it's time the Pentecostal church got that into your spirit, into your mind, into your theology. You can speak in tongues until the heaven turns black, but it's not going to do any good until you be declare in your own tongue the wonderful works of God. Become a witness unto Jesus Christ. You see, when God does something in you, it's so he can do something through you. He never intended for you and I to be reservoirs. However, that's what we've become. Oh, Spirit of God, bless me again. Fill me again. Pour your Holy Ghost out upon me again. I need a new touch. I'm down. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. I, I'm discouraged. Fill me again. Can I tell you that if you are a reservoir, that will be your constant prayer. Do something for me. But he never intended you and I to be reservoirs. We are two rivers of living water. And those rivers of living water flow from the source who's the Holy Ghost in us to touch hurting humanity. Oh, it's time to realize he didn't call us to be containers. It's not how much we can store up, how much we can keep, but we are called to be conduits through which the blessing of God flows, the power of God flows, the urgency of God flows, the convicting of the Holy Spirit flows because he is moving in us and through us. We're not reservoirs. We're not containers. We're conduits. And he didn't call us to be consumers. He called us to be contributors. The American church is a consumer church. You can look around you today and see people who weren't here, who are not here, that were here a year ago. Why? Because they're consumers. You got to make me feel good. You got to do what I want. You got to make everything appeasing to my ear and to my sensibilities. Can I tell you, there is nothing about the gospel that is pleasing to you and me. Nothing about it. There's nothing about the death of Jesus Christ that is pleasing to you and me. It's all abhorrible. And we need to understand, however, that it's through the power of the cross that you and I have life today. And because of that life, we are not consumers. We are contributors into the body of Christ. He doesn't need any more critics. Oh, I love the way you're shouting now. I'm glad I just came back off a of vacation or I may be looking for the back door. 
He doesn't need any more critics. He needs people to get on board and say, we're going to put our hand to the plow and we're not looking back. We're going to pursue the kingdom of God and do what God has called us to do, empowered us to do, and is asking us to do in this day and this time. We're not going to be consumers. We're going to be contributors. God's looking for people who will stand up and say, use me. Do something in me so you can do something through me. Do something in me so you can do something through me. Jeremiah in chapter 20 was absolutely fed up with his culture. Fed up with the circumstance. He was called as a child from birth to be a prophet of God to his people. But he was absolutely tired of the ridicule, the derision. He was tired of people telling him, you need to shut your mouth, and if you don't, we're going to put you in jail. Chapter 20, that's exactly what the king did. He put him in stocks overnight, and when he turned me loose, Jeremiah said, chapter 20, verse 9, it'll be on your screen. I decided I would never say another word. This is my paraphrase. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, please. I decided I would never say another word. I wasn't going to comment about what God had to say in my heart and in my life, but... I couldn't keep silent because his word was like a fire shut up in my bones. He said, I know what I wanted to do, but I know what I was compelled to do by the Spirit of God. I wanted to sit down and shut up and be liked by everybody. That's what he was saying. He's saying, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't be untrue to the message. I couldn't be untrue to the mission. The message is burning within me, and I must declare the wonderful works of God. Oh, somebody hear it today. You can't be silent when he's burning inside of you. Burning inside of you. So I was studying for this message. I came across three quotes from the late 19th century. Three theologians. I want to share these with you today, and then you're going to help me in just a moment. The first is this, nothing but fire kindles fire. The second is if you want to set someone in fire, you got to burn a little bit yourself. And the third quote is a burning heart will soon find for itself a flaming tongue. Those are in your outline that you handed as you came in this morning. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to practice because throughout this message, when I point to you, you're going to help me out, all right? Will you do that? This is the way it works. When I say these words, nothing but fire, and point to you, then you say, kindles fire. Let's practice that, all right? Nothing but fire. fire. Oh, that's pretty good for the first time. Let's try it again. Nothing but fire. fire. That's great. Now, the second one, it goes on to say, if you want to set someone on fire, you have to. That's it. You got it. If you want to set somebody on fire, you have to. And the third one says, a flaming heart soon finds for itself a? That's it. One more time. A flaming heart soon finds for itself a? All right. So be ready. We're going to point to those, and I need your help this morning, all right? You see, I'm doing this because I believe those three things, when they get into your spirit, will revolutionize your thinking. Will help you to know and understand God's got something greater for me, and it's all about the fire of the Holy Ghost burning in me and causing me to influence my society, influence those in my circle of influence, change my culture. People bemoan all the time everything that's happening in culture. Whose fault is it? It's ours. It's ours. It's the church's fault. 
Because we have sat down and we have been quiet. We hide within our four walls. We refuse to accept the fact, the fact that this is a spiritual battle. And it's high time that somebody dug their spurs in and said, Devil, you're not going to win this thing. We're going through. We're going over. And you know what? We're going over the top of you. I wore my boots today. So you would understand I have come to dig my spurs in. The devil is not going to win. He is already defeated. And it's time for the people of God to get something in their spirit that says, we aren't going to put up with this nonsense anymore. We're going to stand and declare the wonderful works of God. Hallelujah. Nothing but fire. You're a little slow. Nothing but fire. That's it. Keep that in your heart. Keep that in your spirit. You be the chorus. I want you to get that in your spirit. First thing I want you to know is that Pentecost always involves people. Always involves people. Think about it. When the 120 were gathered in the upper room, they had no idea what was about to happen. They had no basis to measure upon what they were about to experience. All they knew is they were waiting for the promise of the Father, which was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Then when you read the first four chapters of Acts, first four verses of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the Spirit came like a rushing mighty wind. Cloven tongues of fire set upon each one of them, and they began to speak in another tongue as the Spirit gave them utterance. They felt something inside of them that compelled them to get out of that upper room. Again, when God does something in you, it's so He can do something through you. When God does something in you, it's so He can do something through you. I mean, it can almost picture Thousands of Jews from all over the area in Jerusalem that day. And they begin to hear these ignorant and unlearned Galileans, is about the best way to say it, speaking their own language, declaring, according to Acts 2.11, the wonderful works of God. And they were confused. What in the world is going on? These guys don't know our language. No, but the Holy Ghost was using them to do what? To declare the wonderful works of God. When God does something in you, it's so he can do something through you. What you've received from the Father is not something that just enables you to get up on Sunday morning, put on your clothes, and come to church. What you've received from the Father is a power so precious and so great and so mighty that it transforms the way you think. It transforms the way you behave. It transforms your relationships when you allow the power of the Holy Spirit to do something in you and then do something through you. You know, I grew up on the prairie in western Oklahoma. Prairie fires were not uncommon. We have a lot of dry seasons out there. And I can remember time and time again as a young man, as a boy growing up, and then later when I go back and visit as a young man, the prairie fires sweeping that area and that region, driven by the wind, fueled by the hot air and lack of humidity, fueled by the dry grass that's all around. And there was no stopping those things. They just went. They just burned. They just consumed. They only stopped when they came to a barrier of some type. Whether it was a road, whether it was somebody who got a bulldozer and, and plowed through a trench 40 feet wide, whether it was some farmer with his disc who went down and plowed up all the fuel for it so it couldn't burn anymore. They only stopped when it, listen to me, hit a man-made barrier. The fire of the Holy Spirit only stops when it hits a man-made barrier. 
Oh, some of us need to hear that because we're always throwing up barriers. We're always throwing up barriers. We're filled with excuse after excuse after excuse why we don't think something should be. It's a barrier to the way God wants to do his work in this place. Would you please agree with me today that God, it doesn't matter what I think. It only matters what you think. Do something in me so you can do something through me. Oh, come on, Holy Spirit. Do a work in your church this morning. Nothing but fire. Nothing but fire. That's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. Fire kindled fire. From 120, Peter then stood to preach, and 3,000 gave their heart to Jesus Christ. Why? Because fire... That's right. And if you want to set somebody on fire, you need to. That's it. That's it. And a flaming heart always finds for itself a... That's it. Get those in your spirit. Know it and understand it. Always revolves people. Number two, Pentecost used people to plant the church. People said the apostles planted the church. Not really. They may have been the ones preaching... But it was the folks who came to Jesus Christ that planted the church. You need to understand that today because, again, a modern myth in the American church is that the paid ministry should do it all. Can I tell you, that's a bunch of garbage. I'm here to lead you. I'm here to train you. I'm here to inspire you. I'm here to direct you. But I can't reach everybody in Tallahassee. I'm only one guy. I need your help. The people need to reach people as they did in the New Testament church. When the apostles planted the church there in Jerusalem, they went, then went on to Samaria, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the world. We see that each place they left a group of people who understood and knew the power of God because they encountered him, and they continued the church of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, when you read those scriptures, you'll find the Greek word that is used is laos. It means laity. The Bible says that it was the laos, the people of God, who planted the church of God. The people of God who spurned the fire of God. The people of God who drove the work of God. Why? Because when God does something in you, it's to do something through you. See, it's not enough to come to church. I'm thrilled that you're here. I wish more were here. But that can't be the sum total of our experience with God. It's got to affect the way we react with our friends, our neighbor, our family, and our workplace. People have got to see fire burning within us. Those individuals were people whose hearts were on fire. People whose tongues were on fire. They hadn't went to seminary. They didn't spend three and a half years with Jesus. They didn't have the, the, uh, the pleasure or the opportunity the disciples had to know and understand the power of God. All they had was their word saying, if you'll accept him and receive him, he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost and he will transform you into a witness unto him. Fire, that's what they had. Wasn't the apostles, it wasn't the 12 disciples that planted the church. It was the people going house to house, neighborhood to neighborhood, street to street that brought the gospel to the then known world. There is a fundamental principle that is yet true today and will always be true. It's the laos, the people of God inspired by the Holy Spirit who drive the church of Jesus Christ. It's the people of God who catch a vision for a lost and a dying world. 
who can't rest and can't sleep at night because every minute that ticks by, thousands of souls are dying and perishing in the devil's hell. It's the people of God who suddenly realize, I've got to stand up and do something to stop this, something to stand in the gap. You see, Pentecost really did employ the principles of the Old Testament when God said, I looked for a man among us to stand in the breach and to fill the gap, but I could find none. But when the Holy Ghost was poured out, he found people who would stand up, fill the gap, stand in the breach, and defeat the enemy. How did the laity do it? They did it not by intellect, not by education, not by formal training but by the power of the Holy Ghost burning within them. Proverbs 11.30 says, He who wins souls is what? Wise. That's correct. He who wins souls is wise. Luke chapter 14, verse 33, you know the story about the man who was throwing a party. And he said to his servants, Go out and invite all my friends. And the first friend said to him, Oh, I'm sorry, I can't come. I just bought a piece of property. I need to go check it out. The second friend said, I'm sorry, I can't come. I just bought a team of oxen. I've got to go work them and check them out. The third man said, I just married a new wife, and I can't come. I've got to be with her. Excuse after excuse after excuse. It plagued the church in the day of Jesus. It plagues the church today. And the only way to overcome it is the fire and the power of the Holy Ghost. When we become so infused with him that we really don't care about all of our excuses, we say, sign me up, plug me in, use me, let me be the one who stands in the gap. But you can read it in uh, the last verse of that scripture, verse 23 from Luke chapter 14. The master then said to the servant, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. What was he saying? He's saying, those that I would normally invite refuse to come. So I'm going to go invite those who I've overlooked. See, and that's the mandate of the church. We don't need more religious people in here. We need more sinners in here. We don't need more folks that got it all together. We need folks that don't have it all together. We are to compel them to come in. That word compel in the Greek means this very thing. Don't listen to their excuses. Don't let them say, I'm poor and I'm not accessible acceptable. Don't let them say I'm of a lower rank in life and I'm not acceptable. Urge them to overcome their objections and bring them to the feast. Don't listen to their excuses. Folks, the mandate is the same for us today. We are to go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, but we'll never do it until he does something in us so he can do something through us. That's the key. That's what he's wanting to do. Nothing but fire. If you want to set someone on fire, and a burning heart will soon find for itself, that's it. Let it get in your spirit. God wants to set you on fire today to kindle fires all around you. God wants to set you on fire today so that those coming in contact with you can burn as well. God wants your mouth to become a flaming tongue of fire so you can declare the wonderful works of God and bring people into the kingdom of God. The first century, when you look at it, was a, year, a century of unprecedented growth for the church. It was its beginnings, and it began to grow. The church spread throughout Ephesus to Rome to Spain, throughout the then-known world. It was incredible 
how the church spread in that day and that time. And it was also in the face of heavy persecution. People get all upset about ISIS, and let me tell you, I, I think they're horrible, and we need to do something about it. We can't stand by while Christians are slaughtered. But I've got news for you. It's always been in places of pressure, places of pain, places of persecution, that the church of Jesus Christ rises up and begins to shine. The church of Jesus Christ begins to declare, nothing but fire kindles fire. Oh, it's not the time to cower down and back off. I know our society tells us the church is dying. I'm here to tell you the statistics tell us something else. The church isn't built upon denominationalism. The church isn't built upon men or women. The church is built on Jesus Christ who rose again from the dead, who defeated the powers of darkness, and who has come today to declare to you and me, I will overcome. It's not the time for you and I to sit down in our hidey holes worried about what the government thinks. It's time to stand up and shout it from the housetops. Nothing but fire! Nothing but fire! It's 2015. We look at the last century. The church spread in unprecedented measures. There was a renewal of the fire of the Holy Ghost in 1901, January 1st. Agnes Osborne in Topeka, Kansas, was filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. William Parham then went to Houston, Texas. There was a one-eyed black preacher there by the name of W.J. Seymour. He heard. He didn't receive, but he heard and he believed. He went to a place in Los Angeles, a little community called Azusa. He began preaching what he hadn't yet experienced, and yet as he preached it, people were filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost. And about six weeks into that experience, he too was filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? Because nothing but fire! That's it. We need to know it and understand it. He understood if you want someone to burn, if you want to set somebody on fire, you gotta. That's right. And he understood that a flaming heart soon finds a. That's right. Because nothing but fire kindles fire. 21st of the 20th century was unprecedented in church growth across the globe. And can I tell you, the first 15 years or 14 and a half years of this century are showing the same things. The church is growing. It's greater. It's stronger than it's ever been. Oh, that may not be true in America. It may not be true in westernized Europe. But I'm telling you, it's true in Africa. I'm telling you, it's true in South America. I'm telling you, it's true in portions of Asia. The fire of the Holy Ghost is moving and burning. And men and women are coming to Him because they understand only fire. That's right. That's right. I believe that as Jesus tarries this millennial, we the greatest millennial of church growth that we have ever experienced since the church was birthed at the day of Pentecost. Do you realize that yesterday, around the world, today, around the world, tomorrow, around the world, 63,000 people will name Jesus Christ as their Savior and be water baptized, proclaiming their faith. The church is growing. I'm not going to listen to those pundits that say, oh, the church is dying. The church I live in, the church I serve, the Lord I know, he is not dead. He is risen and he lives forevermore. And because of that, his church is alive. Did you realize this past Easter, this past Easter, 
31% of the world's population, over 2 billion people, sat in worship services on Easter Sunday morning to declare the risen Lord and Savior. Oh, don't you believe everything you hear from CNN? Don't you believe everything you hear from ABC and NBC? I'm here to tell you, the church isn't dead because the Holy Ghost is alive and fire kindles fire. Fire kindles fire. The flame of Jesus Christ is spreading across the face of the earth. Look at the southern horn of Africa. There's a little country called Namibia. 85% of Namibia is born-again Christians. More than Tallahassee. More than Florida. Far more than the United States of America. It's amazing what's happening there. Look at Tanzania, a Christian nation. I read an article not long ago by a missionary, David Simonson. And he said that in Namibia, they were, they were having a baptismal service to baptize 3,140 adults into the name of Jesus Christ. Someone said, well, how did that happen? Did you send a missionary and they preached the gospel? He said, no, that isn't what happened. Two leaders from these faraway villages came to the city. They gave their life to Jesus Christ. They stayed and were trained and discipled. And they went back to their villages and then sent word that we have 3,140 people who came to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. And they want to be baptized in water as a public declaration of their faith. Oh, come on, church. Do you hear me? It's not the preachers. It's not the apostles. It's the laos that builds the church of Jesus Christ. Get it in your spirit. You can't sit here and wait for somebody else to do the works of God. It's time to stand. Stand up and declare the wonderful works of God. Because only fire. That's right. And if you want to set somebody on fire, that's right. And a flaming heart always finds. Yes, that's right. It's always the same century after century. The laity, the laos, move and advance the church of Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, to be honest with you, sometimes we get in the way. Yeah, we do. Sometimes the laity are more attuned to what God is trying to do than what we the preachers are. I pray that never happens. I pray that's never said of me. I pray that I hear from God and hear from the Holy Spirit and lead you in the directions that He wants us to go. But you need to understand, I can't do this by myself. I need you to understand only fire. And if you want to see somebody burn, you got to... And a flaming heart. That's right. Again and again and again. In 1900, the country of Korea was 99% Buddhist. By 2000, 20% of Korea was born-again, spirit-filled Christians. The largest church in the world is in Seoul, Korea. Over 500,000 people named that church as their church home. Korea is now the largest country sending more missionaries to, to the world than any other country in the world. They have surpassed the United States as a missionary sending country. Why? Because they found out nothing but fire. That's right. And if you want to see somebody burn, you got to. That's right. And they learned that a flaming heart demands. That's exactly right. Today, 31% of the earth's population names Jesus Christ 
as their Lord and Savior. Christianity is spreading. Christianity is growing. Don't believe what they're telling you on TV. It's not true. The church of Jesus Christ is not in decline. It's not in demise. It is not dying. As long as he is alive, we are alive. As long as the Holy Spirit is present, we have a mandate. We have a mission. We have a responsibility to take the fire and declare the wondrous works of God. Declare what God wants to do in us and through us. Because when he does something in us, it's to do something through us. You're going to hear that so many times, and you already have, but it needs to sink into your heart. When he does something in us, it's to do something through us. It's to enable us to become that voice to a lost and a dying world. When the people of God are filled with the fire of God, then we see transformation in our culture. Is America and its culture going to the dogs? Absolutely. Whose fault is it? Yours and mine. Because we have sat down, we bought the lie. You can do what you want to do inside those walls, but don't bring it out here. I'm here to tell you, fire kindles fire. I'm here to tell you, if you want to see somebody burn, you've got to burn a little yourself. I'm here to tell you, when the Holy Ghost fills you and flows through you and sets your heart on fire, it always finds a flaming tongue as well. Do we understand? Not with our heads, but with our hearts. Not with our intellect, but with our faith. Do we understand that the purpose of the Holy Spirit outpouring on the day of Pentecost, and yet today, is not so we can have some spiritual experience, So we can be missionaries. So we can take what we've received to a world who has not heard. The city of Tallahassee did the research when I was on vacation. 68% of our city doesn't darken a church door on Sunday morning. 68%. We're more in church than Nambia. We're more in church than Tanzania. We're more in church than Madagascar. Oh, church, isn't it time that something rose up within us and we say it's got to stop and it's going to stop with me? It's going to stop with me. Because I believe nothing but fire. It's exactly right. And if you want to set somebody on fire, and a flaming heart always. So the question before us today, Are these principles that I've talked about, the fact that Pentecost always involves people, the fact that the laos, the people of God, always advance the church, do these principles still apply to us today? Are they still real? Are they still active? Are they still important? Does it apply to us today? Is it as true in the 21st century as it was in the 1st century? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. When we look at America or Western Europe, we'd have to say probably not. But when we look at Africa, when we look at Asia, when we look at South America, we begin to see a church that is rising up where we were at a hundred years ago. And they're embracing the truths that we embraced at that time. 1985, a guy by the name of Richard Wilkie wrote a book entitled, Are We Yet Alive? He was a bishop in the Methodist Church. 1986, I took a church in southern Kansas, our Kansas City. He was the bishop of a uh, Methodist school 10 miles away in Winfield, Kansas. Got to know him pretty well during that time. 
His book was looking at the Methodist church and how it had went from being through the Wesley's on fire to, with God to being nothing but a denomination. How it went from being a, a, a mechanism of winning souls and bringing growth into the kingdom to being a mechanism of bureaucracy. And at that time, I was in the Assemblies of God, and that book was read by almost every pastor in the Assemblies of God, and the parallels were clear and stark and frightening. Because we could see where the Methodist church was and where we were going. But it's not just one movement or one denomination. I'm here to tell you, any time we lose sight of the fact that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for one purpose, and that is to bring evangelism to the church and to reach men and women for Jesus Christ, we find ourselves draped in bureaucracy, restricted by religion, covered by denominationalism. Oh, I came to call you this morning to the place where we cast all that off and we say there's only one thing that matters, and that's the power of the Holy Ghost moving in and through our lives once again. Because nothing but fire. And if you want to set somebody on fire, and a flaming heart always, my question is, are you ready for the fire? Are you ready for the fire? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In this room this morning, I haven't really preached about salvation, but it doesn't matter because when the Holy Spirit is here, He's already doing His work, which is, convicting sinners of their sin. You're in this room this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But today that needs to be rectified, that needs to change. And by raising your hand right now, you're saying, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want to be like those folks you talked about at the beginning of the service that were a mess that then became a message because Jesus changed their life. That's you right where you sit. Would you just lift up your hand and say, pray for me. I need Jesus in my heart and in my life today. So wait just a moment. Anyone? All right, Brittany, I'm going to ask you to come back and we're going to change things up. We're going to do that fire song again. You're in this room this morning. And you say, I'm absolutely tired of religion. I'm tired of things as usual. I'm tired of the bureaucracy. I'm tired of the hoops we have to jump through and that we put in front of people. I'm ready for some fresh fire. I'm ready for some fresh fire. If that's you, right where you stand, would you simply stand your feet? But only if you mean it. Don't stand up if you don't mean it. Only if you mean it. I'm ready for some fresh fire. I'm ready for some fresh fire. Because I realize nothing but fire kindles fire. I realize if I want to set somebody on fire, i got to burn myself. I realize that a flaming heart always finds a burning time. Father, in the name of Jesus, as Brittany begins to lead us in this song, we lift our hands in complete surrender to you. And we pray, fill us with your Holy Ghost fire. Lord, in this room this morning, birth missions in the heart of your people and help them to understand the missions isn't across the ocean it's across the street it's not about going to some foreign country it's about going to that neighbor and co-worker that family member who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior 
It's about declaring the wonderful works of God with our tongues. Lord, I'm thank you, thankful that Glenn and Beth are in this service this morning. And I pray before they leave, there will be individuals who step up and say, we want to help the Good Samaritan Network. We want to help the homeless. We want to help women in crisis. We want to help those who are recovering from addictions and they will partner with them physically doing something to make a difference in this city. And now, Father, I pray, fill us with fire. As she begins to sing this song, would you simply lift your hands in submission? Say, Lord, fill me with your fire one more time. Fill me with Holy Ghost power one more time. Fill me with your dynamic one more time. Do something in me so you can do something through me. Sing it out. Thank you for listening to audio from Christian Heritage Church located in Tallahassee, Florida. Feel free to give copies of this message to others, but do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Christian Heritage Church, please visit us online at chctoday.com.